Good evening, everyone. It's really lovely to have you here with us this evening. I'm Candice, and I will be doing the Bible reading tonight. Um, so you can open your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. So that's Luke, chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he cancelled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he cancelled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this? who even forgives sins. And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of God. Thank you, Candice, for that Bible reading. Good evening, church. It's a joy to be together this evening. As we continue in our series, um, let me just fix my... As we continue in the series, which is titled A Seed at the Table, we started it uh, last week, uh, and we said that for the next couple of weeks, one of the things that we're going to be doing is that we're going to be observing the life of Jesus. Uh, so during this uh, time called Lent, uh, so it started on Wednesday, Valentine's Day, it was the beginning of love. Um, I know some of you, uh, you send your person 20 bucks and said, do not spend all of it uh, in just one go. Um, <laughs> Preview, do that. 
Um, so what, what we're going to be doing for the next six weeks, uh, starting from Wednesday up until Easter Resurrection Sunday, is that we want to be focusing in on Jesus, uh, who Jesus is, what he has come to, um, to do, particularly as he engages with strange characters in Luke's Gospel. Uh, that's one of the things that we see uh, in Luke's Gospel. Uh, Luke's Gospel is written many years ago, but I think it's so relevant to our context today because it touches the human heart and the things that we grapple with uh, in, uh, in our hearts. Uh, so that's what we're going to be looking at. And tonight, thank you, Candice, for that Bible reading. Uh, we're going to be looking at yet another story of Jesus uh, spending time with a questionable character. Last week we saw, and you can find our sermons on, online, we saw Jesus engaging with a corrupt uh, politician. We called him Tintualo. Uh, so Tintualo interacted with Jesus, and he received from Jesus the kind of kindness uh, that you and I would not afford, uh, whether it's in our society or back in the day. Uh, we wouldn't afford uh, Levi that, um, that hand of welcome at the table. And so that's what we, we saw. And then this week we are looking at uh, Jesus at another meal uh, as he goes on to engage with another kind of uh, dodgy character. Um, uh, we're going to see him engaging a lady who in our society we call a, a Betty. Uh, a Betty is somebody whose morals are loose, uh, who you do not expect this kind of person at a pastor's conference. And so she is finds herself at the pastor's conference, uh, and so we pick up the story. Uh, um, I'm going to pray for us as we look at this story under three headings. One is two kinds of people uh, that Jesus wants us to see. Number two, uh, two kinds of debtors, and then a one-of-a-kind God. Uh, so two kinds of people, two kinds of debtors, and then a one-of-a-kind God. So please bow your heads, and I'm going to use the words... Of, um, of Lent to pray for us uh, this evening. So please bow your heads as I pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing you have made and forgive the sins of all who are penitent, those who turn away from their sins and turn to you. So create and make in us new and repentant hearts uh, that we, earnestly lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain from you the God of all mercy, perfect pardon and forgiveness through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forevermore. Amen. Uh, so here we are, we find ourselves uh, at another house. We're walking with Jesus as he walks from house to house. Uh, we said last week that Jesus likes eating and he's... Uh, he's accused of eating with tax collectors and sinners. Uh, now, we may think of eating as a normal thing that you do. You go to Burger King, you order a Whopper, uh, you use an app, you get a discount. Uh, that's what you're going to do after the service. Uh, so food is just a, a normal thing that you, you do. Uh, but in ancient Near Eastern culture, food was a sign of showing fellowship and friendship. And so Jesus is showing fellowship and friendship uh, to the kind of people that you and I would not welcome at the table. And he does so to show us the heart of God uh, towards sinners, uh, which is what we want to look at uh, this evening. So our story uh, begins 
with him at another house, but this time around he's not at a corrupt politician's house. He's at a Pharisee's house. Uh, so we're looking at our first point, which is the two types of people. Uh, and that's a Pharisee and a sinful woman. Uh, Luke puts them side by side uh, for us to understand the tension that is in the story, the tension that was there as Jesus was dining with uh, tax collectors, or rather with the Pharisees, and this sinful woman came through. Have a look at verse 36 as we jump right into seeing the two types of people that Luke uh, tells us or presents to us, uh, number one being the Pharisee. Have a look at verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at, ta- at the table. Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the tab- at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of, uh, of ointment. Uh, one, uh, one thing that Luke wants to uh, get to us you'll notice that three times he uses those words, Pharisee. So he wants you to know that this is a Pharisee. A Pharisee is an important person. A Pharisee would be a modern-day pastor. On the one hand, you have a Pharisee. On the other hand, you have this lady who is called, one, a sinner, and then a woman of the city. Hint, hint, uh, she does uh, a dodgy kind of job, uh, for a living. She has to bring something to the table to be accepted at the table. On the one hand, if you don't know what a Pharisee is, uh, those were the religious uh, moral guys of the day. Those were the guys, if you were hosting a 21st birthday party, mom's on for your child, uh, this is the guy you get to speak at your child, uh, your child's party. This is the keynote guy uh, who, uh, he has a special table, Tafule Abaruti, where I grew up, you had the pastor's table and the rest of the people. <laughs> This way, the Pharisees, uh, the Pharisees were important. Uh, in our modern day, I think you would, um, they not only are important morally, but also politically. In our modern day, the equivalent would be the likes of your Desmond Tutu, who in South Africa, he's the epitome of, um, of what, morality. So they look to him as the moral uh, person, and he has got political influence. So that was the combination um, or in this era as we are heading up to elections, uh, you'll see politi- politicians going to churches. They normally don't come to, uh, to Christ Church Midland. I don't know why. Uh, maybe we don't have political influence. But they will go to uh, Mr. Barnabas Lekhanyani in, um, in uh, Polokwani uh, to rally up uh, the people because they know that people follow this kind, kind of people. Uh, so those were uh, the Pharisees. Uh, they are the standard of what it means to be good, the standard of morality in society. So on the one hand, you have this person. On the other hand, you have this sinful woman. Uh, this sinful woman, uh, must have, it must have taken guards for her uh, to come to this party because she would have been well known for her trade. Uh, she would have exchanged sexual favors uh, for, uh, for money, called hard Cash, cold hard denarius uh, for sexual uh, favors. Her trade was not 
something reputable. That's not somebody who should be at the table uh, as we speak about um, Jesus at, at this table. What is even worse, so the Pharisees would have thought of her as an impure person. The Pharisees did not want to rub shoulders with anything impure because they had this mind, mindset, which comes from the Old Testament, uh, that sinfulness and impurity is rubbed off. Uh, so if you are a sinful woman, uh, you should not be coming to our party uh, because you are going to make it dirty. Uh, Luke, again, puts those two people side by side to build the tension for us. Um, just to like, picture this in your head, uh, if you don't see that uh, tension, perhaps we don't see this tension, this sinful woman. Uh, I had this picture in, in my mind where I was like, very often you don't see... Um, that you don't see impurity. So I don't know if you were, you, you were watching that nail-biting game between England and South Africa. You remember that game? You remember that it was wet like this the whole game? Uh, you remember that England was wearing what color? White. Uh, but here's the thing. When you continue, when you're watching the game from start, you don't realize that gradually uh, their kit is getting dirty and dirty. It is only when you bring... Uh, um, when they were being destroyed by the Springboks, and you bring substitutes, is that you see that this one who is pure, one who's got a perfect kid, standing next to this person who's muddy, that's when you see the picture of impurity, isn't it? And that's what Luke wants to do as he presents this picture. And as he wants to show us the mercy of God, he presents two different pictures, one a clean substitute with a clean kid, and one who's muddied herself, in the waters of life. That is the sinful woman. Two people, two different kinds of people. Uh, let's pick it up again uh, from verse 36 onwards. Verse 36, once again, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to dine at, 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 um, with him, and he went into the uh, Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Verse 37, and behold, a woman of the city one description of him, that's the label she bore, that's the shame she bore as she walked around, who was a sinner. When she learned that he, that is Jesus, is reclining at the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, verse 38, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And kissed his feet and anointed him with the ointment. Verse 39. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is. And who was touching him, for she is a sinner. The story unfolds uh, that this Pharisee, Simon, invites Jesus. Uh, and we know that earlier on in Luke's gospel, uh, the Pharisees were quite warm to the idea of Jesus. Normally, we, if you know the Bible, we normally give the Pharisees or have the, a negative mindset of them because you already know that they, they're moralists. But they were actually good guys. They were actually nice guys. And so they saw, they saw Jesus, this nice guy who claimed to have been sent from God, who preached the word of God. So he deserved to be invited to this house. So they set it up. Uh, normally, in ancient culture, it uh, infused both uh, Hebrew culture and Hellenistic culture. 
If you've heard of a symposium, um, that is a word that is stolen from uh, the Greek times. So you'd have a U-shaped table with 14 guys reclining. It wasn't as tall as that. It was small. It was uh, right here. You know when you're eating pub uh, in the heat of Northwest and you're just lying on the floor? It's very different to when you're sitting with fork and knife at a table, right? Uh, so these guys were eating like that. It is good times. Uh, they're sitting there eating and reclining. Uh, Jesus is among the 14 of them. Normally, a symposium, they would invite an important person with an important message uh, at, the, at the table. So that's the kind of picture that we see there. It's going to be a good day. It's going to be like a modern-day pastor's conference. Jesus, tell us what God has to say uh, about life in Jerusalem. Tell us what he has to say about the kingdom of God. It must have been a lavish feast. Uh, not so much the stained city kind of feast, uh, but maybe the Caswell North uh, kind of feast. Uh, and you know when you go to Caswell North, uh, they scan your face. Uh, have you been to those complexes where they scan your face, uh, those fancy ones? Uh, some of you are at those complexes. Uh, they get your blood sample uh, and, and your ID, uh, and you, you go in into, uh, to, uh, to, the, to the party. Uh, so this was the order of this day. Um, at least more ancient Near Eastern homes were slightly different to our own settings. You did not need um, to get um, permission to access uh, the place. What the rich would do is that they would have this lavish feast, these symposiums, and then open it up so that those poor people out there would come and see how the rich died and somehow would even just uh, eat the leftovers uh, that were there. So that's why we see this intrusive character coming into the story. This baby at a pastor's conference, uh, and an awkward moment is brewing. Uh, Luke tells us that he stepped in there, and I'm just, like, as I was reading, I'm like, I wonder, like, how he, how she even came to know about Jesus. Uh, I wonder how she came to know about Jesus' existence and Jesus, that Jesus is having supper at Levi's house. I wonder what her expectations were as she was uh, going to that, uh, that party that night. She knows that she might be rejected. She knows that she carries with uh, her this idea of impurity. What was she expecting of Jesus? Luke does not tell us the internal thoughts of this uh, slay queen, but I was just imagining, imagine with me, um, imagine this lady lived in Midrand 2024. Imagine Shomex, you know they did this whole uh, revamping they now want to get more shows. They were to start up a show called The Slay Queens, The Real Slay Queens of Jobek. Uh, and they got this lady. Um, Martin, a slay queen is somebody who <laughs> adorns herself, uh, who is just um, irreputable. Uh, she would not go to a pastor's conference. Anyway, as we imagine Shomex shooting a show on her, an episode on her and her visit to the pastor's conference, um, I would, if I was directing the thing, if I were to just maybe find out from her how she knew about Jesus, I would just want to shoot her um, as she's on her iPhone 15 with her long nails, uh, just browsing through, watching TikTok videos, explaining to me how she met Jesus. And I can picture my friend there, uh, Grace, will be shooting this and filming her on that iPhone. 
explaining that, yeah, I was just browsing around TikTok, and one day I stumbled upon this. I don't know how it appeared on my feeds, uh, but maybe God uh, was leading me to Jesus. Uh, and so she encounters Jesus through the podcast uh, that Jesus has been doing. Uh, Jesus has been making rounds throughout the synagogue. So where about him spread out? Uh, where about him embracing sinners must have gone out? And this lady is like, I must meet this guy. Because all the men that I've met in my life have only seen me uh, just for sexual favors. Perhaps this one is a bit different. Uh, so this lay queen uh, is resolute uh, to go meet Jesus. And I would ask, uh, answer, ask another question uh, that Luke doesn't tell us. What are you expecting to uh, find? What are you expecting to, uh, to get from Jesus? Uh, and for this scene, I would uh, do a makeup scene. Uh, do you know those, uh, those scenes? I don't know why you girls watch makeup videos a lot. Um, but that's another topic for another day. Uh, she'll be doing her makeup, over-the-top makeup. Uh, perhaps that over-the-top makeup is to brighten herself so that men can see her. It is to make up for the shame that she has to go through and that she has to uh, endure. Uh, that's uh, this lady. And maybe she's expecting again uh, that Jesus would be a different, a different person. Maybe Jesus will embrace her. Maybe Jesus will show her a way back uh, to God. Uh, so imagine her walking into, as Luke says, uh, she walks into this party uninvited. The group of religious guys coming to bring dirt and impurity into the scene. People will be whispering. There will be pin drop silence as they watch her go into the, 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 sitting, the sitting room where the guys were, they would watch her and have that shock. Do you know um, black people's shock? What, what, what is this person doing? And then she walks up behind Jesus, and they're like, oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm hoping she's not, she's not hoping that she's going to sell her services here at this very occasion. Uh, so you can imagine her feeling like an outcast, people treating her like an outcast, but she doesn't care. She doesn't have that disease called, what are people going to say, phobia. Do you know that phobia? Uh, where we carry the shame and we wonder, what are people going to say? In Tswana, they call it batubatlaring. Uh, what are people going to say? We all have that symptom, uh, we all, rather that phobia, because we all carry shame uh, in some shape or form. And so when we step into spaces where Jesus exists, perhaps it is church, Sometimes we don't feel like we have anything to bring to the table. Sometimes we feel like, what are people going to say? But she doesn't care. Uh, she just uh, squeezes in, uh, squeezes herself uh, by the table. Uh, she uses that phrase uh, that South Africans love, re-squeezing in. Uh, squeeze us in. Uh, give us a seat at the table. Now let's pause and think about this, those two different people, this Pharisee. And this scene as it's unfolding, uh, Luke is trying to teach us something about her. Uh, Luke is trying to teach us not only something about her, but about the nature of human, uh, human morality, about the nature of the human heart, uh, that we tend to look at people in a way that God doesn't look at them. And as the story unfolds, we're going to see the importance of how God looks at people like this woman, uh, this woman who does not deserve a seat at the table. Because when we look at her, we see a birdie, isn't it? 
We see somebody who is out of order. We see somebody who is a write-off. In fact, we lose hope on those kind of, uh, kinds of people. Uh, we write them off. Uh, but when God looks at them, uh, they, he sees them in a different, uh, different way. When God sees people, he sees them with their story. And quite often, people's story is an explanation of how broken they show up. Their brokenness and how they show up is because of the story of their lives. I, when I was growing up, there was this guy. Um, his name was Mocha. He's just recently passed away. Mocha, he was a respectable man. Uh, his uh, family, I think, they, they had a lot of cattle, so they, they were rich. Um, and he took care of, of those cattle. But one of the things that I could not comprehend was why Mocha, from the time I was a kid, I think even to the time he died, I knew him as a drunk person. Uh, he worked in town. He would leave um, at 4 o'clock, catch the bus to town, work in Rustenburg, and then we would only see him after maybe around five, and he was always poop drunk, as they call it. I don't know if there's a swear word, um, but that's what we said. And, and when we looked at him, we all judged him, that this guy, and we all gave him the label of a drunkard. Um, and I often wonder, like, what must have led that guy to be drunk every single day? Now, we don't have language for depression. Uh, perhaps that's what he was going through. Perhaps he did not find belonging, because very often we treat people the same way in African culture, which, because everyone is the same. Perhaps he was a sensitive guy whose father beat him up, and he just could not handle that. Uh, perhaps he felt like a loser who could not maintain his family, uh, and I don't know what must have gone uh, through his mind. But one of the things, when I look back, and I, I'm like, there must have been something wrong with Mocha. There must have been something wrong with this woman. Uh, commentators tell us that she did not choose prostitution just in jail. Uh, perhaps it's because she lived in economic circumstances that led her there. Maybe her father could not afford to pay her debt and sold her into slavery, and maybe she became a prostitute through those. But you see how the eyes of the Pharisees look at this woman. She's just a sinner. Uh, she's just a lady of the city who sells her services. And often I've never read anywhere in the Bible where it condemns the men who buy from her. So she's dirty, she's bringing dirt here, but there's never a man who is condemned to have bought uh, from, from her. Uh, but this birdie, uh, Jesus puts her in the scriptures and in the Bible story to remind us and to tell us something about God, to expose something in Simon's heart, something in our hearts, uh, and we're going to see that in just a moment as Jesus tells this story. Have a look at verse 40. He says, i got something to tell you, Simon. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. Uh, so we don't know. It seemed like uh, Jesus had Simon complaining that, Jesus, if you knew who this woman was, you wouldn't let he, her touch you. Uh, but Jesus stays. He doesn't engage with him on that. Uh, he tells him a story of two debtors. Have a look at verse 41. This is the story. A certain money lender had two debtors. This is our second point, by the way. Uh, the two types of people we saw, Pharisee and, 
a sinful woman, the two types of debtors, as Jesus tells the story. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them would love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged right. Uh, Jesus tells this story. Two guys uh, went to Bab Maziboko, um, financial services company. Bab Maziboko is a registered FSB money lender. Uh, so he does things by the book. And so here comes this lady desperate uh, to send her kid to varsity. Says, listen, Nessus has not uh, paid money and we are desperate to go to university. Can you just lend us? We'll give you all the credentials. You can check us. We don't have any debts. But she checks them and she realizes, he realizes in Bab Mazibuko that they don't even have a cell phone contract. But it's okay. He'll give uh, them this 50000 And so he does. And then, as you know, Nefsus never pulls through. That's another story for another day. Another guy is an entrepreneur. He is doing a drop shipping company. He buys stock from China, and then he sells it here on take a lot. And he just wants, uh, uh, what do they call it? Is it seed capital or whatever it is? That's startup money for, for the, to, to get you going in your business. And so he goes on to Bab Maziboko. Bab Maziboko thinks, this is a good idea. Uh, drop shipping is booming in this country. This is a good investment. And you're going to return it with a little bit of equity uh, and a little bit of um, interest. So he agrees, and he gives this man 500,000 rand. Lo and behold, this man does his dealings, and then somebody, somewhere, somehow, he gets mingled up, loses all the money in that Chinese company, which was a fraudulent company. 500,000. Gone. Both of them cannot pay. <laughs> Bab Mazibuko engages with them, tries to retrieve the money for 12 months. Nothing happens. And finally, he decides in his good mercy, it's not good for his business to let go of those two debts. <laughs> it's a crazy story, isn't it? Of somebody generous. Who would do that in our day and age? Who would run a business like that? Ah, no, I wouldn't. If you owe me money... <laughs> I'm coming with guys from, I know Inkabis. No, sorry, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I don't know any Inkabis. Inkabi Royden is somebody who collects. <laughs> um, who would do that? It is such a reckless thing. But of those two guys, who do you think is jumping with joy that 500, that they, I'm giving it away, uh, that their money was... <laughs> was um, their debt was paid off. It is obviously the guy who owed 500000 I mean, you, you cannot pay that. You cannot pay that. And so Jesus turns to, to Simon. Have a look at verse 44 to 47. Then turning towards the, the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she, gave, she has wet my... 
my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with oil. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Jesus is saying that this woman understood the debt that she owed to God. She understood that she could not, in any world, have a seat at this table. And so she came humbly. She came giving her everything because she loved Jesus. Uh, but here is Simon on the other hand, somebody who supposedly deserves a seat at the table. He has not been a good guest. He has not treated Jesus as somebody who, um, who sees the importance of Jesus. And Jesus says, Simon, do you see this woman? And he says this because he sees this woman. He sees that she's not just a sinner, but somebody who's been touched by the gospel, uh, somebody who is living a thankful life. Uh, that is uh, the two types of debtors. Uh, the one who's forgiven much, rejoices much. Let us look at the last point, and it is by far the shortest. It is a one-of-a-kind God, and this is the heart of the message, because the message of Luke is teaching us something about the God of Israel and the kind of God that he is. Uh, verse 48, and he said to him, your sins are forgiven. And now notice that Jesus uh, it looks like it, Luke is saying that this woman was forgiven because she broke down and she uh, wiped Jesus' Jesus's feet. Uh, that's not the case. This woman, uh, driven by the gospel, overflowed in thanksgiving. Uh, her sins are forgiven because she recognized her need for forgiveness. Her sins were forgiven because she realized she does not deserve a seat at the table. And he said to her, Jesus, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to this woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The big question is, who is this? Who is this man, Jesus? Who does he think he is that he says your sins are forgiven? And what we do know from the rest of scripture is that this man is God himself. God who forgives sins. God who is a generous God who forgives two debtors, those who don't know that they have a massive debt and those who do recognize they have a massive debt. Both of them both of them have um, a seat at the table. Jesus is Bob Mazibuk, the generous moneylender. Jesus is the one who wipes away the slate clean. He is a generous God because only God can claim to forgive sins in this world because only God only God is the one who's owed this massive debt, and it cost him everything to pay this debt. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, we see him turning his face towards Jerusalem to be crucified on the cross. And it is at the cross that Jesus uh, exposes to us the generosity of God, uh, that Jesus loses his seat at the table so that you and I can have a seat at the table. Uh, Jesus does everything for us to have our, our, our dead wiped clean. And he does so because he told us before. In chapter 4, he said that the year of the Lord's favor, the year of the debts being released and removed, uh, the year of uh, God coming to forgive has been pronounced in his arrival. 
one commentator puts it this way, and I think this is the summary of our message this evening, that God is a generous God. And if you see his generosity, you will overflow with thanksgiving and grace uh, towards God and in the way that you treat others. If you don't see the generosity of God, you will not be thankful. You will think that you deserve a seat at the table. Therefore, you will treat others as well as dead. Uh, You will treat others and see yourself as one who is superior morally. Joel Green says this about Luke's gospel. He says, for Luke, the God of Israel is the great benefactor, the one who blesses, whose redemptive purpose is manifest in the career of Jesus. So God is the great Bab Mazibuk. He's the great blesser. And how do we see that? We see that in the career of Jesus, whose message is that this benefaction, this blessing, enables and inspires new ways of, uh, for living in this world. Uh, so the blessings of God, the generosity of God, enables us to live in this world as generous people. If you see the generosity of God in your life, if you see your immense debt, you will be broken and come to God with a concrete spirit. Come to the table where we celebrate the Lord's Supper and know that I don't deserve a seat at the table. That is the gospel. And that's going to overflow in how you treat other people. If you don't see that, uh, you will act funny. You will act like, I deserve a seat. And you'll see others as those who don't. Now, I like this words by a hip-hop writer. Uh, it's on, if you want good music, go on to Humble Beast Records. They got brilliant hip-hop music um, that is lyrically good, but musically also it's phenomenal. Um, one of the songs uh, is a, a parable of Miss So-and-So. Miss So-and-So is somebody who had uh, witnessed all that life would um, throw at him. Uh, she was abused. Life did not go well with her. So she resorted to a life of recklessness. Um, you can Google the lyrics, but I'm just going to pick up um, one of the sections. So it pictures her at school, and everybody is whispering up, uh, about him. Um, this is what I call Miss So-and-So, the rebel. And Luke wants to speak to both the rebel and the moralist and tell them about this great God who forgives sins. Uh, this is her experience. She hears the whispers pointed towards her locker about a visit to the clinic and abortion doctor. Last week when she said she was in her room with the flu, gossip has just as much when the rumors are true. She wishes it was her instead of the fetus that died. She portrays confidence, but she is defeated inside. She sees the herd coming, but instead of running away, she just grabs the nearest boy and gets straight to numbing her pain. And this is Miss So and So. And the song ends with Miss So and So because it is a picture of Jesus' interaction with the lady at the well, uh, with Jesus saying to Miss So and So, here's a water, here's a glass of water. Come and drink. Um, And it is a picture of what Jesus did to that woman, again, who in John chapter 4, who was an outcast. Jesus embraces her when everyone else has rejected him. And Jesus wants the rebel who perhaps caused an abortion in varsity to know that they have a seat at the table. He wants somebody who is like, man, I don't feel like church is for me. I come, but I think, yeah, I just don't think I'm good enough. 
Um, Jesus says there is a seed for you at the table, and he wants the rebel. But I think Jesus in Luke's gospel is most concerned with the moralist. He's most concerned with people who think that they have a seat at the table. And many Christians, many who grew up in church, many who have done Bible study, who have embraced Jesus and are working the Christian faith, that is many of us, uh, sometimes we struggle with morality. Uh, we struggle with being moralist. A moralist is back in the day in class, we used to have this one guy who the teachers would entrust with the list. <laughs> that list. I don't know why teachers did this, because they left us alone. If you leave a bunch of kids alone unattended, um, you're going to have issues. Uh, there's going to be noise, right? But they told us to keep quiet, and this guy would be the one with the list, writing those who would make noise. They, it was the prefect. Uh, and very often in life, if you walk close to Jesus, you can begin to be that guy, that teacher's pet who has the list and you think that uh, it's as if you, you behave like God um, asked you a favor to, I'm just going to the staff room, just be in charge of telling people uh, what's wrong with them. We do that, don't we? We do that with uh, particularly the, the people who are close to us, whether it's your friend who's behaving a certain way. We often have this moral superiority when we approach them. Uh, and very often it's because we don't understand that we too could not afford the seat at the table because the reality of those two debtors is that none of them could afford a seat at the table. Uh, but God granted them a seat of the ta- at the table. One um, doctor, Dr. Redden Frost, once said that the furthest you can be from Jesus is by standing right next to him and think that you deserve to be there. That is the moralist, that you think you deserve a seat at the table. That's when you know you are far away from God. Uh, But God wants to reassure us that all of us cannot afford it. How not tell it? You can't afford a seat at the table, but he's paid it all at the cross for you to access uh, that seat. Let me pray for us as we come to remember the cross of Jesus and as we apply this truth into our own lives. Father God, we are so thankful Uh, Thankful that the debt of sin that stood against us, the shame of sin that we bore, uh, being excluded from um, your family, even that song we sang that we were far from you. Um, We were not your children, but we've been brought near by the blood. The blood of Jesus brings us near to your table. Uh, The blood of Jesus enables us to live in new ways in this world. I pray, Lord, that you would help us and help us to repent of the spirit of being a prefect, the spirit of being morally superior. I pray that we would see people in the way that you see them as people who, like us, don't deserve a seat at the table. And I pray that you would make us gracious people, empower us to do so. I pray, Lord, for someone who is hurting, who is in pain, uh, who uh, bears their shame, uh, who does not know how to confess that sin, Uh, to a friend because she felt like she, or they feel like he feels like uh, he will be judged. I pray, Lord, that they would know that you welcome them and that they would rejoice in the story of your gospel, that you are a generous God, a God who wipes away the the death of our sin. Uh, And these things we pray in Jesus' name.
and for our good. Amen.